0: we are one day from draft day. John Schmuck, Paul Dettino, Lance Meadow with you. The phone number is 201-939-4513. One guest coming up today. will have Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus. He'll give us about 15 minutes or so uh, at around 1215. So uh, make sure you get – Paul, get the TV on in a second. Give me a second.
3: <laughs> I just want to make sure if there's a trade I made, know. we're aware of it.
0: I'll, I'll get to it. In a okay, second. no Hold problem. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. Paul's looking around like the right man at the on gates. the couch, like, "Where's my controller? I gotta change the station." Duh. All right, uh, so Mike Renner, twelve he'll talk to us about the, what he's hearing, what might happen in the draft, and maybe some outliers PFF has. Um, we've, we talked to a couple of the PFF guys in the huddle, not on Big Blue kickoff yet, so we'll do that at twelve fifteen, and we'll take your calls. Um, guys, why don't we get right to calls here. We'll open it up, 201-939-4513. If you guys want to get in real quick before we do Mike at twelve we'll try to squeeze a call or two in, and then, of course, we will get Mike on uh, to talk to us at twelve fifteen. So, guys, we're one day away. Tomorrow we're going to have Charlie Campbell from Walter Football, who's one of the best uh, predictors of what might happen in the draft. He he hears stuff. So we'll have him tomorrow at noon. Then we're going to do our final mock draft as well. It's a two-hour show, so we're still probably going to do about an hour or so of calls. There'll be plenty of time for you guys to get on the phones and and talk draft with us right here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. So, guys, what are your – Lingering thoughts here. What's top of mind besides, good God, get this over with, before we get the draft tomorrow at 8 o'clock? Lance, let's start with you.
4: Well, I think it's going to be interesting to see what Jacksonville does because, I mean, all the rumors pretty much have them going in 75 different yeah, directions. It's unbelievable, <laughs> and, right? Yeah. It I know. went from, you know, Evan Neal a few months ago to Aiden Hutchinson to maybe Trayvon Walker, now back to Aiden Hutchinson. And, so. and by
0: the way, now kwanu's in the mix too. Sure.
4: And to me, I think— They grab a pass rusher, they grab an offensive lineman, I think they'd be helping their cause. I really don't think going in either direction is wrong. I think Walker's a little bit more of a wild card because it's so projection as opposed to concrete evidence that you feel really good that you're going to get X amount of production out of him. So I don't know how enthusiastic I'd be for that if I'm Jacksonville, but they can absolutely enter another offensive lineman into the equation. They just gave Cam Robinson right before we went on a long-term deal. They had franchise tagged him each of the last two years. There's room to boost that offensive line for Trevor Lawrence. And then Like I said on previous shows, I think getting a guy to compliment Josh Allen would go a long way in helping Mike Caldwell, the new defensive coordinator. So that to me is a bit fascinating. Normally when we get to this time of the year, we have a pretty good idea who the number one overall pick is going to be. I think there's a much more of a gray area this year compared to previous ones, so maybe that adds a little bit of intrigue connected to the process. But that to me I think is the biggest storyline right now because we don't really say, hey, the clock starts on number two. The clock actually still starts on number one right now. Yeah, and I think it will
0: impact too what happens in the next three picks. That's why number one I think is so important here, because it'll you know, I think the Lions they'll pick Hutchinson or Walker in that order to whoever's there. But then that could impact the Texans and the Jets, right? If Walker's there, then they don't take maybe Sauce Gardner, which could impact the Giants. And they don't take maybe if is there, maybe one of them take Aquanu. So that could definitely impact who's available for the Giants at five, which really goes back to what the Jaguars do at one. So the top four are still in serious flux just over 24 hours before the start of the draft.
3: You know, I got a guy who is a consultant for a number of NFL teams on the draft, and he called me this morning. He's in Vegas. He called me this morning. For the draft or just generally? No, he's he, he's there for the draft. Okay. He doesn't live there or anything. Okay. He went out for the draft. So he maybe can, he was on a binge or something. No, like no. He consults. <laughs> he, he is a he is a draft consultant with a number of NFL teams. Got it. Uh, which there are a bunch of those independent guys. I mean, as sure. much as these teams have their own scouting bureaus, they do occasionally cross-check with other people. And um, and this guy, and, and I, I put him to the wall, and I said, look, I said, right now, best guess, what do you got for the top five? He told me Walker to Jacksonville, Hutchinson to Detroit, um, the corner to Houston. Stingley? Stingley. That's what. That's really...
0: That's almost now getting to the point where it's too loud for me to be okay. comfortable about it. Because it's not like Nick Casario's on the phone telling people what he's going to do. So... Well, this guy's a consultant with a lot of teams. No, I know. So I, I think.
3: I think he's hearing more than whispers, well, but that doesn't mean it's legit.
0: Paul, like but, four or five people that I trust have all had Stingley. So okay. I'm sure it's good information, but it's, it's really loud. Okay. I know.
3: So Walker Hutchinson, Stingley, mm-hmm. Jets taking sauce... And then the Giants are on the board with all three tackles sitting there. I've heard Equanu could be the pick over Sauce at four. That's a possibility for the Jets.
0: Joe Douglas apparently loves him.
3: Wouldn't shock me. Wouldn't shock me if the Jets took Thibodeau either.
0: Well, here's the question. To be though. honest. And, and then we'll get to your calls. Real quick. Hypothetical. Paul loves him. Let's say that's what happens, right? But the Jets pick Aquanu. And Sauce, Neil, and Cross are all there at five. Do you pick the tackle, and this might have been what happened, by the way, when I did our final draft season mock draft that will post up later today, and I had to pick for the Giants, so you'll see what I do. But would you guys pick sauce there at five and just leave whatever offensive tackle is left for you? Or would you take the offensive tackle, hope nobody trades up to six, because you know the Panthers want to go down to take sauce, and then you're in a lurch at seven?
3: Depends on what you think about Carolina's chances of moving down. He doesn't think that they're getting anywhere near the price, and he doesn't think they're going to be able to move out. He thinks they're taking Pickett. I don't think they're picking a quarterback. I told him, I I just don't think the kid's that good. And he said, I'm telling you, I think they're taking picket. So if you're the Giants, you're going to be in great spots. So what would you do? Would you pick Sauce, or would you pick the the tackle? I'm taking Neal. You're taking Neal there.
4: Lance, what would you do? Yeah, I would take Neal, too. Okay. I would take the offensive lineman. I wouldn't take any chances because, I mean, if a team does trade up for Sauce, I still think the offensive lineman is far more valuable in terms of need for the Giants now, right now. Well, see,
0: I, because I'm getting one or the
3: other. That's why, and you'll see in the
0: mock draft, sure. that, that I might
3: have went a different direction. Now, I'll give you some more scuttlebutt that he told me. He said Sauce Gardner is dropping. How about that? Really? Yes, sir. I have not heard that. That, from is, anyone. that is very tight intel. That is behind-the-curtain intel. Sauce Gardner, apparently there are some issues with his turn flexibilities and his hips, and despite the fact that he's got length, there are now people in the NFL who are whispering that he may only be the third-best cornerback in terms of pro-potential. People who think that Stingley should be ahead of him, and... um, McDuffie, uh, McDuffie should be ahead of him, and that sauce is actually the third best corner on the board, and that is now coming out of whispers in Vegas. I think this guy was on a Vegas bench. <laughs> <laughs> so, Grandpa's old cough medicine. Yeah. Uh, you know, that
0: would that would shock
3: me. God only knows. Shock me. You know, he's been doing this for too many years yes. for me to laugh. Oh,
0: I know. I'm just joking around. I mean, well, um, he... I, I would be shocked if Derek Stingley's
3: on the board past seven. That's just me, though. You know. Well, how many teams are going to question his medical, despite the fact no, I'm, I'm that he sorry. ran?
0: I would be you're shocked talking about sauce, If Sauce Gardner is yeah. on the board past seven. Let me that's where that I think sorry. you were yes, going. That's yeah. what I meant, yes, correct.
3: Yeah. Lance read my mind. He knows what I'm at oh, on the limb here. Well, because you, you think the Giants would take him
0: at seven if he's there. I understand that. Well, and I think there's a really good chance he's not there when the Giants even pick at five. I think there's a less than 50% chance he even makes it to the Giants, in my opinion.
3: That's fine. Okay. I mean... None of us know. Oh, of course not. I'm just giving my opinion. You know, but I, anyway, I'd throw that stuff out there this morning because that's the most recent, yep. best-respected intel that I've got. All right. Well, let, go ahead, the, Lance. I'm sorry. Well, the
4: only other thing that I think is worth mentioning is there's supposedly a lot of buzz that Jermaine Johnson is highly moving up draft boards, and he could maybe even be a top-five pick, Yeah, too.
0: Jets, I've heard with him, right? Yeah, yeah. correct. So I, that's heard, another heard, thing to look out for. I, I, Garofolo had this yesterday, that he would be shocked if the Jets took Thibodeau.
4: Shopping. And I've heard also that Thibodeau's been falling a little bit as well. Not that maybe people would consider him falling, well, but he's sort of been up and down over the last year. You few know weeks. what's
3: interesting about that? John texted me last night and I sent him back the same thing. Thibodeau did the rounds with NFL Network yesterday.
0: Yeah, I watched him on the path to the draft show. He did he did like mm-hmm. three
3: different interviews with the NFL Network. He's a big personality. He is a very big personality. In fact, sure. probably larger than the Empire State Building. Um He would love New York, man. I don't think there's any doubt about that. The question is, would he love it too much? And I think that's what you have to gauge if you're the Jets and the Giants. You've got to get to the crux of it, and you've got to say to yourselves... That's what we've been talking about for two months, right? Mm-hmm. A, A, can your locker room control him and to make sure that he'll fit? B, on the other side of it, is his focus, his intensity, his confidence, and his desire to be good. Well, confidence isn't a problem. No, not at all. Not at all. But (laughs) what what I did like about it, and I agree with you, you could easily be put off by his appearances on the show you, And some coaches might actually love the fact that he's so sure of himself, too. You might. It all depends on how you look at it. The one thing that I liked, and I think even a critic or someone who doesn't care for him would have to admit he talked about his desire. He, he's, I'm the best player in this draft. He's been studying, apparently, another four or five additional moves. He's gone to some other great pass rushers of the past, retired guys, to learn some more tricks of the trade. And I think even critics of him would say, I commend you because here you are. Easy to say those things, though, too. You well, I mean? no, yeah. but I, I'm sure he's not dropping right. those names unless he was dealing with those guys. He's right. not going to lie. Look, he seems like a very smart person. He though. seems very smart, intelligent, and I believe that he's, he's one of those guys who wants to be Reggie Jackson. He wants to be able to walk the, the, the talk. Yeah, you know, yeah, walk the that. walk, talk mm-hmm. the talk. I don't think Got to produce wa- beyond October, though. I'll and, and, tell you that. Yeah, yeah, right? But I think, Lance, really what it comes down to, when I looked at him, I said, you know what? I'm going to pretend for a minute that I just absolutely don't like the guy and that the attitude's an issue and it's all, all this, this stuff that's being said about him. Let's just say that puts me on the negative side. Give me a reason, as I'm watching this, give me a reason to like you or to overlook you or to overlook the stuff. And the one thing that kept coming back to me was he is... Absolutely 150% dedicated to the mental aspect of the game, the technique aspect of the game. And he is driven to absolutely positively be the best pass rusher that not only he can be, but the best pass rusher in this league. And you know what? You can't teach drive. This guy's got drive. Well,
0: he yeah. says he is drive. You have to see if that actually, you know, again, it's easy to say these things. It's, it's that's sure. what
4: people want him to say. Well, but that's why, to me, it's real simple. I have a heart-to-heart conversation with Mario Cristobal, the former Oregon coach. No doubt. And I talk to the coaching staff. Mm So, you know, any concern I have about work ethic and whether or not, to your point, John, it's a dog-and-pony show that he's putting on because talk is cheap at the end of the day, but those coaches were around him on a daily basis for a number of seasons. If they can't give me a vote of confidence, that's my red flag right there. If they feel okay about his work ethic, then I'd be more than comfortable. I mean, Mario Cristobal is a well-respected college coach who's been around the game for quite some time. Yeah. So, all I would have to do is have a heart-to-heart with him. I remember,
0: yeah. and he played through a high ankle sprain this year. We didn't have to. So there and he are... talked about that, too. Yeah, no question about it. All right, I want to squeeze in one call before we get Mike right up here in two minutes. Let's go to Rocco on Long Island. He'll be our first caller today. Rocco, what's up?
2: Hey, what's up, guys? Listen, I think the best, as far as the outcome for the first two picks, I would love it if it was Neal and Sauce
5: or
6: Stingley. But I just want your opinion on these edge rushers because... Speaking to some people that I know in the league and whatnot, there's a big, big following on Jermaine Johnson. And honestly, I'd just like to know your thought on him ending up being the best edge rusher in four or five years down the line. Because I I believe it just from watching the film that this guy is going to be the best out of the bunch. And I think he's underrated right now. And that's why I think he's moving
5: up the charts. And uh, I would not be upset if, The Giants went that route either. Just want to hear your your thoughts on that and what you guys think about who will end up being the best edge rusher out of this group. Thanks.
0: No, thank you, Rocco. Good, Good, Excellent question. If you made me place money on who would be the best edge rusher in this group, who would I place money on? I'm going to think about this. Do one of you guys have an easier, quicker yeah, answer mean, for me? Les, well, go I would
4: place the money on Jermaine Johnson easily. I mean, we were asked, I don't. I think maybe all three of us were on this show, maybe it was Jeff, John, but you had asked us about, you know, who are we very high on or who do we really love? And I said Jermaine Johnson and Drake London are my two guys in this year's draft that I'm very excited about, depending, of course, where they go. I think Johnson has the arsenal of moves. That, to me, is what is encouraging. I. Understand he's got a small sample size, but if you got the moves, you've got some of the fundamentals that are workable, and you get a good coaching staff to help fine-tune them, I think his upside is through the roof. So that would
3: be my answer. Pure edge rusher, hands down, Thibodeau. Uh, Johnson would be second. I think Hutchinson would be third, and Walker would be fourth. If you're strictly talking about pure pass rush, that would be my order. Best all-around player by the time all is said and done. Could be Johnson, Hutchinson might be too, and and then perhaps Thibodeau and Walker, but but if you're talking about pure edge rush, Thibodeau's the guy. I, there's no you cannot teach the very unique ability he has, his quickness, his flexibility, his ability to turn and bend, his takeoff off the snap is something I've only seen rivaled by O.C. Emanuera. O.C. was the quickest off the snap of any edge rusher I've ever seen in my life. And this guy has very comparable quickness off the snap. You can't teach that. It's something that no offensive tackle can combat. So it would be Thib- Thibodeau, hands down, is the best pure edge rusher in this draft. I think, I think I'm think i with Paul. I think I would go with Thibodeau first.
0: Um, I agree. Would it surprise me if Jermaine Johnson is the best one? No, it wouldn't. Uh, would it surprise me if Agent Hutchinson is the best one? No, it wouldn't. Would it? You know, I don't think it's going to be Trayvon Walker as a pure edge guy. I think he's more of a multi-positional guy. But That's how I feel about again, it Again, yeah. any of those three guys would not surprise me, Lance. The one thing, and we're going to talk to our guest Mike Renner about this now. And actually a perfect time to bring him in. Let's bring, bring in Mike Renner. He uh, does the PFF NFL Draft Guide. Mike, I have a printed out version on my desk a couple feet away from me here. Uh, I printed out before it got up to like 1,000 pages. I have like the 500-page version of it. Uh, thanks for being with <clears throat> us, man. How are you?
5: I'm doing great. This is... Uh... This is my time of year, so I'm uh, I, nothing can bring me down this week.
0: I, absolutely. Well, tell everyone about the Hutch Podcast. Uh, it's a, something special that I know Austin Gale, your your coworker, has put together. That's that that's out there right now with a with a big focus on Aiden Hutchinson.
5: Yeah, it's a unique sort of four part series that goes through his life about how he rose from this kind of you know fringe first round prospect to no more an overall pick and led Michigan to that win over Ohio State for the first time in, what, a decade or so. So, uh, interesting podcast if he goes to, obviously, your favorite team or if you're a Michigan fan.
0: Absolutely. Make sure you guys go and check that out. Um, again, you can check it out um, on PFF's YouTube channel and wherever you get your podcast. Just uh, type in Hutch. All right, Mike, we were just having a discussion. We had a caller in and said, who's the best edge rusher in the class? And he said, would you be surprised if it's Jermaine Johnson? And the point I was about to make before we got you on the line was to talk about Jermaine Johnson's pass rush win rate and how you guys, that kind of made me think twice about him a little bit as maybe being up there with the Thibodeaux of the world. Can you work through that a little bit for us, how you look at kind of those top four edge players? And you can even throw Carl Loftus into the mix and you guys are high on him when you look at the top of this group.
5: Yeah, to me, I mean, as of right now, I think Aiden Hutchinson's the best in the class. And now, does he have the best, prototypical physical tools? No. I mean, that's Trayvon Walker, for sure. So, obviously, you're not drafting for year one. You know, the Draft is a long-term decision. Trayvon Walker could very well, with those physical tools, turn into, you know, I don't say Miles Garrett, but, like, that's the caliber of athlete we're talking about. Jermaine Johnson to me is more of a you know, Marcus Davenporty edge rusher. Like, he's very good with his hands, very good bull rusher. I'm not sure I see the elite potential. He's a little around the corner and truthfully like he's older than all these guys he's two years older than Aiden Hutchinson two years older than Trayvon Walker like he should be the most polished edge rusher in this class because he's been doing it for five years in college now already so uh that's kind of how I see the class like he's a guy who's probably NFL ready too if you're talking about who's going to be the net best next year I would probably take him after Aiden Hutchinson as second but again it's a long-term decision I'm not sure I see the high-end that a Thibodeau, a Walker, or even Aiden Hutchinson can get to.
0: Mike, I do want to follow up. Can you talk about your guys' metric, your pass rush, win rate metric, and why you guys have seen that's an important metric when you're trying to project these edge rushers to the next level? And and, and do me a favor, throw Loftus in the mix, too, because I know those people are kind of all over the place on him.
5: Okay. Yeah, Loftus, he's a top-ten player on the board because he was very high in that stat, very productive at a young age. I think he had 55 pressures as a true freshman at Purdue. Like This guy's been doing it for a while and obviously has – some Physical tools in his own right, and it's explosive and strong. Um, and also profiles as kind of like a pocket pusher, edge setter guy. Uh, but pass rush, win rate, yikes, pass rush, win rate that was a tough one. It's probably the closest thing we get to like a baseball pitcher versus batter one on one interaction. You know, you are going up against an offensive tackle as an edge rusher. Can you win? And it's like if you can't win in college consistently with those opportunities. What makes you think you're going to win at a high level going to the NFL? Now, not every scheme in college is created the same. There are certain ones like that don't actually give you the freedom to attack as an edge rusher. I would say Jermaine Johnson trended towards that and what he was asked to do in Florida State. like He could, didn't have two-way goes on offensive tackles the way Aiden Hutchinson probably did at Michigan, consistently, which is going to hurt your efficiency. It's not, it's your a production in that manner is going to take a step back, but... Still, it's a metric that we've seen be very, probably the most consistent from of any sort of metric that we do have from college to the pro because of what I just said. It's a very one-on-one interaction. You are going up against offensive tackles, and most of the offensive tackles you are facing aren't going to sniff the NFL.
3: Mike, one of one of the guys that I wanted to ask you about who doesn't get a lot of love here, but I think from a pure pass rush ability and I know there's some weight fluctuation, there's some understanding that he may want to play a different position, Uh, is Jackson out of USC. Uh, I was looking at at your guy's book, and obviously true pass rush grade, he's over 90. Um, This is a guy who's probably going to go late second round, maybe early third round. I mentioned to John yesterday, for me, I would love to see the Giants get him early in the third round because I think he's the kind of guy who Wink Martindale could do a lot with because of the flexibility in his front seven. How 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 much uh upside do you see of him as a pure pass rusher?
5: Yeah, truthfully I'm surprised he came out because physically, like he's a guy who, you know, top ten to fifteen, like he's in the he's in the same physical category as the Jermaine Johnson's of the world, as the yeah. George Carloffs is like he's a high end athlete for sure. Yep. But he did not put on high-end tape, and now the pass rush win rate or pass rush grade was high because he would beat up bad tackles, not quite beat up good tackles. Was a non-factor in the run game. Just really hot and cold tape that you're not going to draft that in the first round, and especially with his weight fluctuation. Like you said, it was really skinny this past season. Gets up and gains 20 pounds by his pro day, and does not. There was not 20 good pounds. He came in 270 and looked a a thick 270 there. So. That's concerning for him as well, but you got a high-end athlete who has the bend and sort of tools that you want to rush the passer, but just not a physical aspect to his game. So he's going to be a guy you want to get in there and develop, but wouldn't expect to make an impact early on.
4: Mike, I want to piggyback over a point you brought up about Jermaine Johnson earlier. You mentioned his age, and he's 23 years old, and perhaps he should be the more polished guy. Though I'm curious, how much does the fact that he didn't play as much with Georgia – go into your outlook of him being that polished pass rusher, given the fact that you could argue Florida State played him a lot more than Georgia did, so that maybe there is still true potential, even though he's up there in age compared to the other pass rushers.
5: Yeah, I mean there's a little bit of that. I, I do still think at Georgia you're getting like good coaching at the very least in terms of, you know, how to attack blocks, how to use your hands. So like those sort of things when we talk about you know, edge rushers, those are the things that get, that just take time to get consistency in that he already has. So I don't think there's a ton of upside in sort of that regard, but there definitely is to just play in the game of football. You know, more reps is always a good thing. So I do think there is some untapped potential in that regard just because he has really one season under his belt.
0: Mike, just from your guys' perspective and how you grade these guys out, how does the top of this class, like if you pluck the top 10 players from this year's class, you plop them into last year's class, like, how many of this year's guys actually get into the top seven or eight if you combine the two classes together, even if you take the quarterbacks out of the mix?
5: Uh, so just in terms of last year's top ten on the PFF draft board, I think Aiden Hutchinson would have been the only one that cracked the top ten. But that is with the quarterback. Okay. So take, taking them out of the picture, there were three quarterbacks at the top of the PFF draft board. If you take them out, I think you would get Derek Stingley, who's our number two overall player, cracking uh, the top ten then at that point and being ahead of all the cornerbacks in last year's class. Um, I, I do think probably four edge rushers are ahead of the edge one in last year's class, which was Pay, obviously a weak edge class. Yeah. Um, but these tackles, like they would be behind Rashawn Slater. They would be behind uh, Penny Sewell on the draft board. Like Those guys are going to go highly, but I don't think they are plug-and-play day-one starters. the caliber mm-hmm. of those two guys.
3: When you guys finally put together your book, which was the player who most surprised you that when you added up all your numbers and your totals, you said, oh my God, we placed this guy all the way up here and we didn't really think that as we were putting all the stuff together.
5: I do think George Karloftis is the one where every metric said to be high on him, the testing, the athleticism, and then you know, came in as a top 10 player on the PFF board and I really haven't seen any top 10 hype for him but uh, he's a guy that's very easy to buy into with his background i mean he grew up as a water polo player was on the greek national team like there's just (laughs) he had an apartment he bought he got an apartment as close to the purdue facilities as possible so he could quite literally live at the facility so i I mean there's just a lot to like about him as a prospect and then tested out very well whether it was athletically to where I i just feel confident in that guy being a productive nfl player maybe not getting an all pro but i think he could be a high-end starter for you that I'm surprised more people in a a decidedly weak class aren't talking about a top 10 to 15 pick.
4: Mike, I want to flip the script and go to the opposite side of the trenches, because with the giants picking five and seven, and a lot of people saying, Hey, this should be the year that they address the offensive line. They, in all likelihood will be within striking distance of maybe all three, maybe two of the three offensive linemen who most people have ranked near the top of the board in within, once again, striking distance. So how do you see the Iquanu, the crosses, the kneels of the world, and how much differential do you think there is between them if the Giants were to pick one of those three?
5: Like I said before, I think they're both, like, all those guys are high in the PFF board, but it's a clear tier behind what we saw come out last year in the tackle position. I think even a clear tier behind Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirth, Jedrick Wills, who were at the top of our tackle board two years ago. That being said, they're still very good offensive tackle prospects. There's very little difference, though, in my eyes of them as prospects. I know Evan Neal hasn't gotten medically cleared from every team. Um, I know some teams see Ikiakuanu as more of a guard and can see Cross as probably the more NFL-ready pass protector of the bunch. But you're really splitting hairs based off of what you want. So I, I think there's a very real scenario where the Giants you know, have one or have two or three of them sitting there at five and just say, you know, we're going to go another position knowing that pick seven is, you know, there can only be one tackle off the board in between us, so we can get one to pick seven as well.
3: All right, Mike. Uh, since we have Mr. Hypotheticals sitting across the table from me, he loves to give me hypotheticals that will destroy me Well, that's what the draft crush is. Me, okay? It hasn't
0: happened yet. All you have is hypotheticals. Uh,
3: I know, I know. But you come up with the most painful oh, hypotheticals yeah. in creation. I like to make you suffer I pain. know you do. Yeah. I know you do. All right, so 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 in the interest of making John happy, who likes to stick forks in my eye, uh, let's talk about the fact that if the Giants desperately need a starting caliber right tackle, and all three of these guys are somehow off the board at five, which I think is very, very unlikely, but John loves to throw those scenarios at me, uh, let me ask you and your guys' grading system, uh, where could they potentially get a starting right tackle if those three guys are gone? Is it impossible to do, in your guys' opinion? Or is there somebody who could still step in week one in this class?
5: Free agency. They'll get right <laughs> no, in I week I really don't think there's another tackle I would trust year one to start. Truthfully I think like we like all feel like the Trevor same Penning,
3: way, which is why that fork Trevor would Penning, be embedded and, yeah. deeply in my eye. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Trevor Penning's just too far away. I mean, Bernard Raymond, coming from too low-level competition, did not look great at the Senior Bowl. And then Tyler Smith, the Tulsa tackle, those are probably your next three on most boards. It's just young and about as big a project as exists in the stack class. So, yeah, you're wanting one of those three, Uh, thankfully there's like a 1% chance I'm all being gone by pick five.
0: You know, Mike, the giants do have a pick in the second round. They have two picks in the third. In my opinion, I think that's really a good sweet spot of value in this draft. Uh, where do you think the giants could found value on those day two picks where you probably have a glut at a certain position where you have guys ranked pretty highly that you think could still be alive on their board on day two?
5: Yeah, I, I truthfully think kind of like last year, they could get an edge restaurant day two. Like this is, a deep edge class, if they don't, if they're looking elsewhere, if they're looking corner off tackle early on, there there could be an edge rusher that to me is, you know, a first-round caliber guy sitting there in the second round just because there's a lot of them in this class. There's probably, I think there's something like a dozen in our top 50. So deep class in that regard. Um, I also really like the linebacker class. I think there's a ton of talent there. And I also think wide receiver is fairly deep. But the linebacker class is like going into – round three, even like you can find starters in round three. I think it's a rare class in that regard where there's a lot of high end athletes that yeah, I think they're going to get pushed down and you're not going to see a lot go in the first round. Maybe only two go in the first round because everyone's looking at the board and saying, I-, I can get a guy in the second. I can get a guy in the third in this class. So yeah. linebacker goes it's just high life
4: Mike, you brought up the fact that, hey, maybe the Giants go offensive lineman and corner at 5-7, and seven, and you brought up Stingley's name, I believe, as your second-ranked guy overall in terms of playmakers. I want to bring Sauce Gardner into the equation. We've heard, obviously, Stingley has some medical concerns because of recent history, and Sauce is— One of the best cover corners, which probably would make sense for Wink-Martindale's defensive scheme. If you were to weigh the two against one another, who in your mind has the more upside, and who do you think may be a better fit for the Giants?
5: Well, I'm higher on Stingley just because of the versatility aspect. I think he can play any scheme, really any sort of coverage you want him to. If you're talking about just press, and obviously Wink-Martindale will run a good deal of that press and man-match concepts, like it's going to be soft is probably the better guy in that regard. He has a unique physical skill set with his length that can just shut you down in the line of scrimmage. And that's that plays at the NFL level. That that translates, uh, I don't care, the level of competition. You saw it against Alabama. When he goes up against James Williams, he held his own. So uh, I do think that he would be the guy probably higher on their board. I don't know. You're really splitting hairs. But I don't, <laughs> both of them would be very good scheme fits. I'll just say that.
0: All right, Mike, final question. I know you guys aren't in the prediction business over there, but you've been talking about this for, like, three months, so uh, I'm sure you have a, a pretty good feel of what you think is going to go down. Let's have some fun. Predict the first seven picks of the draft for me.
5: All right. all right. I did have my mock draft come out today. I, I poured over probably somewhere in the neighborhood of, like, 40 other mocks just to, like, really get a handle. Every rumor I could find, I went, Trayvon Walker, one, to the Jags. Aiden Hutchinson, two, the Lions. I have Derek Stingley going three of the Texans, Aquanu four of the Jets. Pick five, I have Sauce Gardner going to the Giants. Pick six, I have Charles Cross going to the Panthers. And then pick seven, I have them taking Evan Neal as the last of that top-tier tackle.
0: I think Giant fans would be quite happy with that, Mike. i got to be honest with you, and I think that's really realistic. So you guys are buying into the Stingley talk at three, huh?
5: I am. I do think that he's always been... That good, like, it is. the talent never really went away. The tape wasn't even that bad. It got overblown. It just, it, they teams had to come around to who Stingley is as a person. I think the fact that it's getting rumored at this point means teams are.
0: Mike, awesome stuff, man. Anything else you want to promote? Tell us about it. The floor is yours.
5: Go get a draft, guys. PFF.com. It's only $10. Bucks. Uh, go watch the show, live shows, every single day if you want. Use it a second screen. We'll be talking discussing every single pick. Hope you guys enjoy the draft as much as I do.
0: Yeah, and you can check out Mike on the, on the PFF Tailgate podcast with Austin Gale. Mike, enjoy it. You've built up for this for a long time. We're about to finally get some payoff. Have some fun, man. We'll talk to you down the road. Thanks, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Mike.
5: For sure, fellas. Enjoy yourself. Take
0: you, it easy. You too. Mike Renner from Pro Football Focus with some nuggets there. I usually ask him, you know, who's like the dark horse PFF guy, but I've done that on the huddle. I've done all those. But um, good stuff there. Another Stingley at three. I wonder if Nick Casario is playing
4: us all for fools at this point. Hey, it's possible. Yeah. Listen, you gotta take that into consideration, John. Around this time of the year, normally if teams want information to get out, they're probably behind it. Yeah. And correct. there's a reason <laughs> right. no, that right. they want to put that out. No, you're okay? Right. You you have to understand oh. that. I'm not saying that all buzz is premature and doesn't have value. But when there is some buzz, sometimes it's not a matter of the guy's actually going to go to that team. It's they want everybody else to think that guy is going to go to the team so that somebody else pulls the trigger with respect to another move. And there is value with three
0: for there to be some uncertainty of what they're going to do, especially with the Jets who have two picks coming up there. That could impact them as they're trying to predict who's going to be there at 10, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So,
3: yeah. We'll, see. well, I mean, even Pat Kerwin the other day on uh, on NFL Radio on Sirius was was trying to explain to the to the listeners that there are times where a team, and he said he's he's known this, where a front office executive will drop a line to a certain reporter that they know, mm-hmm. and just tell them something negative about a player. Oh, of course. Simply yeah, sure. because they want to get that stink out there. And they want to see the player drop. So that they can maybe grab him. Exactly. Yeah. And, and he said, you know, that goes on, uh, you know, he didn't say regularly, but he said it happens. Sure. And he was trying to tell the fans because I guess some caller had called in and said they heard about uh, there was a question on some player's uh, uh, medical or whatever it was. And he said, I hadn't read that before. And And Kerwin's like, well, no, you have to understand. Sometimes there's just a phone call made just to get something out there. And so, you know, as much as we like to think that somebody's spreading a rumor that says a man's moving up, well, sometimes it works the other way, and they're just trying to get a rumor out there to move a guy down. And it's funny, that Mike Renner potty, he he, that
0: mock he just put out there, and we're going to get that draft season pot up right after this is over. We're going to shoot some videos, and I'll get it right up. Very similar to what we came up with on draft season with Tony I was pretty and me.
3: darn close to what I just told you this yeah. morning too. And I had no idea right. what you guys had taped. Well and it was also similar to the to the hypothetical I gave you guys in the first 10 minutes of the show. Yeah. I mean where the Giants so... are staring at Neil, cross and sauce, what right. order are you going right. in? Right. That's true. <laughs> That's true. So hey look, here, here's what I, I believe we all we all would put our mortgage on. The Giants need a right tackle. And one's gonna be there. And they they've got to get a right tackle in the first round of this draft, come hell or high water. I think we all believe that. And and the fact that all three could be gone before five is a million-to-one shot. I know you want to see my eyes bleed, John. I don't know if it's a million-to-one. I would say, like, oh, I think there's a 1% to 2% shot. Okay, well... Whatever well, the case the may one be, one is a
0: lot different than a million. To okay,
3: one. okay, fine. <laughs> but the, po- the but the point being, I don't want to get
0: to the mathematics with you or anything. But I, I don't think zeros. I don't
3: think there's any way. <laughs> I don't think there's any way the Giants, if they make picks at five and seven, don't come out right. of here with the right. I I, I think that's the safest well, thing we could all say. But.
4: but- interestingly, Mike went corner and then waited to get the offensive lineman. But if you notice, Cross went in between. Well, because there were
0: two there, right? right. Well,
4: no, but what I'm saying is if you think, if you're the Giants and you think the Panthers are going to take an offensive lineman, which I think is very feasible, I suggest you take the offensive lineman at five to secure the guy you really want, especially if you don't think they're a threat to take Sauce Gardner. Well, Lance, you hit it, right?
0: This is the question then. That is, the assumption we're making or not making, depending on how you want to look at it, is that you know what if the Giants only like two of the three tackles? What if they only like one of the three tackles? Yeah. And well, what if that guy's not then, there, John. right? Yeah. Or
3: or what if the one guy they like isn't there when they get the five? I've sure. got, got a better question for you. Even if they only like one or two of these tackles, can you honestly tell me that you believe, with any ounce of blood in your body, that the third-ranked tackle who they may not like? Is not better than any of the tackles on this team. That doesn't mean you pick up, but that's picking for need, Paul. Yeah, it is. That is, for need. that's it forcing is. yourself but, to like but somebody. But the counter Paul. to that is that you don't pick a player you don't like, and and I understand that. Not at seven, and I totally understand that. Okay. But the counter to it, and I'm not one who likes to put need high in the equation. You know that. Know. I'm not that way. I mean, this is a long-term
0: process. I'm yep. a best
3: player available well, guy. Renner you know that. Renner took
4: my line, by the way, by the way. He said, you don't draft for this year, yeah. you're drafted right. for the right. future. Right. Yeah, yeah, he did. Yeah, well, you, yeah he we, took my line. Where's your copyright well, money? I don't right? know. I'm going to have to have a
3: conversation with him <laughs> off the air, yes. <laughs> but my, my point being, if you believe what... He said, and what so many other people have said, that maybe there aren't that many primo picks in this draft, and they're they're all kind of clustered together anyway. Well, then you're not necessarily there picking for need because then the value isn't all that much different the rest of the way anyway. So, so need does become a bigger part of the equation if the grades aren't that much apart. Yeah, but you never want to give. We what we talked about. Do you ever want to give your coaches a player they don't want to coach? Yeah, that's no. where I was going to go. No, you don't. But but then again remember what Joe Shane said to us at our, the presser last week it was last week mm-hmm. what did he say very very important he said it's our job if the coaches don't like a guy, it's our job to convince them why this guy is a good pick. Yeah, but or whatever, to, to not can't? force it on yeah. 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 Or vice versa. To do the opposite, or or vice yeah. versa.
4: He also said that. That's true. <laughs> so. Or vice
3: versa. Well, no, that's my
4: thing.
0: I, I think like, I think one thing I want to – I'm sorry, Lance. I'll go really fast. No, no, go one, ahead. One thing yeah. I just want to prepare mentally for Giant fans for, there's a larger than zero chance that they get to five or seven, an offensive tackle is there, and if it happens to be one that this off-front officer or coaching staff doesn't like, they don't pick them. And fans are gonna show up with pitchforks and torches and they're gonna, you know, come for us. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm just trying to mentally prepare for them where all right, well fans are like, oh well, Neil Aquano, or cross, whichever guy is there you're taking, it's fine. Well, I very much doubt that's the way the front office is thinking about this because that's just not how it. We talked about this with the yeah. four guys two years ago. There's going to be someone in that group they really like. There's going to be someone in the group they probably well, don't like, and then there's going to be somebody that they're okay with, or maybe they love two, hate one. Maybe they love all three. Maybe they hate all three. But the odds are that they write all those guys exactly the same is probably very very small. I agree with point.
3: you. It's going to be vanilla, chocolate, and strawberry. There will be an order between those three guys well, the, as to which one they would want first. Yeah, the problem is that what if they hate strawberry? I I think it's very unlikely. I think it's very 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 unlikely that they don't think the third tackle on their board is is not good enough to to start for this team. But, no, I, but
0: that, I don't that, think that's, that's well, going to No, but that's not the question. What if they're sitting there and they say well we think Kayvon Thibodeau is a much better player than the tackle
3: with more upside. That's possible. Yeah. Which which so would be which would be why they might take a Thibodeau at five and then wait for a tackle at seven if the mathematics prove out that they can still get one. Well, yeah, but what if, what, if, what if Sauce and Thibodeau are both there and they have both those guys running higher than the tackle that's left? See, I think in because of the way that this board is, is grading out, I think the need component for the right tackle does become a little bit more important uh, than it would usually. Paul's on team need. Well, I think in this the, the scenario you're painting, you've you've already committed to a new offensive system with a quarterback who is now fighting for his life. You don't have to make the argument for a right tackle. I know what it is. Yeah. I'm with you. There's, you know, I I think in this case and they practically already said it a month ago. Mm-hmm. No, he practically they practically answered they, the they question. They said
0: they need a right tackle. We, we need know. a
3: starting right tackle. I know. It's pretty hard for me to believe they would not come away with one at five or seven. I I, I find that very, very difficult.
4: Well, because the parallel that I was going to build, John, to what you were talking about, the 2020 draft when it was the class of four, the Giants wound up having all four guys on the board when they chose. So they got their guy. And that was, for the audience to understand, that was the Andrew Thomas year with Jedrick Wills, with Mekhi Becton and Tristan Wirfs. That's right. the order in which they went. But at four, the Giants took Thomas. No other tackle was off the board. So the Giants didn't have to worry about that. We're going through a scenario where the Giants, okay, they're one pick lower this time around compared to 2020. If one is gone or two are gone, and then, guys, the other thing that I was going to throw into the situation is what if Joe Shane loves two of the three tackles, but Dable and Bobby Johnson only love one of them Oh yeah, could get into a scenario like that, right? I mean, just think about that. And the one that they love, the two coaches, because, Paul, I'm going back to the statement that Brian Dable made, they need a right tackle. Okay, well, the guy they really love, he's not one of the two that's still around. But Shane loves the other two and says, guys, he's still more than a suitable starter. If you're Shane and you can't force them this late in the game, what do you do then? There is one more thing I want to throw in. Yes. I'm sorry. to no, Whereas Wink saying. Martindale is banging down the door, and he's saying, <laughs> I need Sauce Gardner. I need Thibodeau. I mean, he's in love, and Shane loves those guys. So, so there's more well,
3: unity across the I board on not, the defensive side of the ball. I will answer it this way. I won't predict what Joe Shane would do. I will tell you if I'm the general manager, the tackle's getting taken. Because my and he head, has every right to do that. Assuming you know that's the hierarchy there. Yeah. He's the general manager. Right, he can make the decision. And yeah. and you're asking me what I would do? I don't know what Joe Shane will do. But if I'm the GM, I'm taking the tackle and I'm saying, guys, your coaches, it's your job to coach up the players I bring in. And guess what? We got our franchise quarterback or supposed franchise quarterback who was in a make or break year. This needs to be done. So enjoy, because you're coaching that tackle up, and this is the way it's going to be. Paul has taken this organization out of lockstep before the first game is
0: played. <laughs> Case
3: closed. No, that, that's that's the way I would do it, and I tell people and, and, that. And by the way, I Paul, tell people that I'm and, not in the prediction business for other people. To, I'll tell you what I would do. To credit to
0: Paul's credit. That's exactly what George Young would do and Paul's a George Young There's no question about (laughs) it. (laughs) That's it. George Young would Well, Bill Parcells, I don't give a damn what you think. This is the guy you're getting. And then Bill Parcells would go call (laughs) or he would go call Vinny the Tranny and pitch about it in the paper.
3: (laughs) It's real simple, man. Born and raised eating those cornflakes as a little kid raised on George Young and Bill Parcells (laughs) and that's the way it's going to be. All right. um, (laughs) That's very funny. Uh, I I would suggest a Survivor Series-like competition in the war room
0: and whomever is left their Wait, But is
4: this Survivor Series in terms of four-man tag? Because that's the, what the true form of Survivor Series was. So we have four individuals on each team, and then we go all the way to the end.
0: Well, no, I would just put one person in the okay, ring. Okay, so see, I don't interpret that as
4: Survivor Series. I'm going old-school WWF wrestling. That's why. Okay.
0: Okay. So, uh, no, so, yeah. well, what I thought the old Survivor Series was, you start with two people and then you add. Oh, no, that's Royal no, Rumble. No, no, Survi- no, that, yeah, no you're that, talking that, about that's Royal, Royal Rumble. Rumble. I'm no, sorry. No, I was Rumble. thinking Correct. Royal Rumble. My all right. Bad. Well,
4: we could do a Royal Rumble, okay, yeah, but you're going to have to have a lot of time to kill, though. I don't know if you're going to have enough to yeah, get to the fifth pick. You're right. You're right. You know? Survivor Series is, you know, at least you come in with
0: four yeah. on wow. each side. No, you're right. So, no, you're right. I, yeah. I, I was confusing Survivor Series for Royal Rumble. That's my fault. I'm just
3: waiting for you guys to introduce Starcade into the deal. All right.
6: Well,
0: that's a different recipe. I'm sorry. I promised. Guys, we'll take all your calls. Tim in Charleston. He's up first. Tim, what's going on? Oh.
1: Hey, hey, guys! Great, great to talk to you all. I don't know who just sighed when they heard my name, but that no, it
3: has nothing point. to do with you. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> just trying. I want this thing to be over. This is torture. It's like walking across hot coals. So, anyway, guys, what I want to
1: talk about, you know, the top of the draft is now for me like a dead horse that's been beat so bad that all I, you know, it's just a question of what it's going to smell like after tomorrow night for the next couple of nights. So I want to talk about a little deeper in the draft and ask a couple of questions. And, sure. um, the questions are prefaced on the concept that by the fourth round, we have not yet picked a halfback or wide receiver. How about okay? a tight end? So, yeah, we yes, we get that in the fourth round, I'm assuming. Third round. Third round. great pops up. I'm going fourth, but, you know, that's just the way the mocks are falling. Whoa, wait, time out. So, Tim, falling. are
0: you asking us to predict fifth and sixth round picks? Is that what you're asking
1: for? Well, it's a question about specific players, okay. not just a general predictor. Well, hold, hold because, on, hold
3: on, hold on. I'll give them to you. I'll give them to you. You want fourth round? No, no. I got Rashad White, running back, out of Arizona State. No, Jake Ferguson. I, I don't want. He,
1: he doesn't want I didn't that. Ask, you don't want that. I didn't okay. ask you to give them to me. We, we already <laughs> right. have. We already, we already have a tight end. We already got a tight end, Paul. This is my draft, not yours. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Go um, ahead. Go ahead. So. <laughs> go ahead. so, so and now uh, – and, and, you know, I w- so also I have listened to every single guest from every single college and seen all your draft seasons and everything. I take all your content in. Well, thank you. So, and and, and that, that has influenced me to, to – and I've done – and I know Paul's going to hate this, and Lance do. <laughs> I have done – after the free agency period, I've done over 90 mocks on PFF. More power Yeah, Right. Yeah. Three out of, you got a, three out of of hands, it, it, got a lot of time on your it's hands, Tim. I give you a lot of credit. Yeah, you, yeah, you and Feagles with those mock draft simulators. Got a lot of time on your hands. It's like ten minutes a day, once or twice a day. You know. Anyway, let's get away from that. So, so the question is now: we we want to get a halfback, we want to get a wide receiver. And there's a couple of guys that I kind of like. One, and and, and I want to go through my my question before I, I we talk about any individual. But uh, Bo Melton from Rutgers. He, I, I'm kind of enamored with him. I, I just, I just also he's a local product, so that feeds in. But there's a guy, the, the Notre Dame halfback, Kyron Williams, who uh, his the the guy you had on. I don't remember his name, of course, but you know, he's spoke cancer, highly yeah. of him. Yeah. All right, thank you. And um, and the thing is, PFF calls him the best pass protector in the class. Now he's not the biggest guy but if he's pass pro and he's good, could be a good third down back and he's excellent receiver. So the question that comes in is those two guys with our fifth round picks, the way it's worked out in the mocks. And I know it's not the real world, but it's like you're going to get one or the other. And the other one's going to be gone by your next pick. So I'm like, so the first question I have is Kyron Williams or Bo Melton, and take the other position later. And, then the uh, the fallback a little later in the draft for me at, at halfback is Hassan Haskins of Michigan, who's been talked about quite a bit on the show. And then I have a couple of of uh, out out ones, and, and they're they're further down, so I don't know if you've even looked at them. But one guy I've looked at in Boston College, right, and you know, it's one of these you know offensive line schools, Alec Lindstrom as a center, seems to go very deep in the draft, very deep. And, and I think he might be a guy to bring in, and you got Feliciano this year and bring this guy along. And then just as a wild card, somebody I, I haven't heard anything much about, except maybe the guy from West Wisconsin talked about him, is way deep in the draft, um, is a guy like Jack Sanborn at linebacker. So I, I, that's, that's basically my penalty, and I know John probably took notes on it all, so you'll probably be able to cover it all. But the big question is, Kyron Williams or Bo Melton first? And then if you took Bo Melton first, or if – well, the other question is then I guess if you took Kyron Williams first, I've had a whole range of different wide receivers that come later after him. So I want to kind of get your feedback on all that and get it away from the top of the draft here for a couple of minutes.
0: Oh Yeah, no problem, Tim. Thanks a lot for the call, man. Look, I like Bo Thank Melton. You. I think as for a fifth round, I think that's a good sweet spot for him, though I think he might go off in the fourth. He's good at the senior bowl. He tested very well. Um, never caught more than 55 passes or had 55 catches or had more than 650 yards at Rutgers. Uh, good player. He's fast. I believe he's a little bit in the return game as well. So, you know, I think he's a good fifth-round pick. Kyron Williams, I know he checks all those boxes. I just don't see a guy with juice on when I watch him. And I, I asked Eric Hansen that, our Notre Dame guest, and he says he thinks he does have it. I, I just... I don't see that make you miss guy in space. And, yeah, I know he's a great pass protector, but if you're not going to be like a, a weapon in, in the passing game, your pass protection doesn't really interest me all that much because I can find somebody else to do that. So that's my feeling on, on those two guys specifically. I'm not sure what you guys think
3: about Yeah, that. I, I question Williams on his speed and his ball security. For me, Rashad White is, is that guy. Who I, I, I happen
0: want. to like Rashad White a lot. Too he's he's, he's I, my guy. I like him and Jerome Ford as day three running backs.
3: Yeah, that's not that's not a bad pick. Those I got, but I got I, I got like. White. I got White in the fourth round to pick one twelve. Just FYI,
0: and then oh boy, he mentioned Sanborn. I think he's a good like you know run. You know he's a Wisconsin linebacker. You know what Wisconsin linebackers are. Do so you want to make him a day three pick? That's fine. Uh, any other names you guys remember that he mentioned? Well, he, he said is, Lindstrom, he, Alec oh, Lindstrom. Lindstrom. From, yeah. Well,
4: the thing with Lindstrom though is I'd be concerned about position flexibility for him. No, there is none. Yeah, there so none. if you're no. going to draft an offensive lineman, if you want to tell me, well, you project he could be your center in a year or two, but I want to know that he could actually play guard or another position, and I don't think he offers that. I so that's my concern lens. there. Yeah, yeah, I he's, agree he's with only you. Two yeah. nine, you're not playing guard at 296. Nope. Yeah. nope. So, But if you're going to take a late-round pick— Position flexibility, to me, is a must. Huge. Because he's not starting. Huge. So, therefore, he has to be an insurance policy elsewhere, especially if he makes the roster. Totally agree with you, Lance. No, I think we're all on the same
0: page. And, again, it's just really hard to, you know, predict those late rounds because you don't know who's going to be there. You don't know what you've already picked already. So, I think that becomes a little bit difficult. Uh, 201-939-4513. Hi, Doug in Rochester. How are you?
2: Hey, how you doing, guys? John, don't get at and uh... Um <laughs> okay start off and for, for, just listen to me right quick. Okay, South Gardner, I have no problem. I think he's a good cornerback, but there's no way I would take a cornerback at five or seven over a pass rusher. The giant every team is blocking and getting to the quarterback, a pass rush, okay. Yeah, I corners don't matter. Team. Doug every Doug, judge, Doug okay, for okay, what well, it's
3: worth, no no for what it's worth, I'd lean towards your agreement on this especially since Wink Martindale, uh, it's all about the front seven and no, the disguising. No, 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 it's not all about the it front is, seven. John.
0: Paul, what happened when the Ravens lost their
3: cornerbacks last year? It's about he was
0: disguising and blitzing, and then Joe Burrow threw for 500 yards every, and six
3: touchdowns. Everything he does is based off the disguising hey, hey, of yeah. what he up front. No, yeah. yeah. everything he does is based on hey, the hey, fact yeah. that his corners can cover. Well, because though yeah. but, but they don't disguise anything. They just play straight up out there. Yes, and if you have someone that can't play straight up, you're going to get murdered every a- game. A- a- and, and and that's and I I hear what Heck, you're saying. Heck, even his top hey, corner got murdered a little bit. But schematics are more based on what he does with the guys in the front. The back is not schematics. Well, I don't care about I'm talking about players. I don't care about Well, I'm talking schematics. Well, I care I care about schematics. That's more important about drafting players. Go ahead, Doug. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Okay. Um the first two minutes of the half, the Giants had the uh, they had the worst pass rush. At, uh, I mean, the quarterback is sitting in the pocket. Let me ask you a question. Terry McLaren, C.D. Lamb, Devontae Smith, and South Gardner's on one of those receivers, and whoever it is, worse, Hurst, or Prescott, in the pocket for two minutes, you think he can cover those receivers?
0: Barndale blitzes 6 or 7 guys, so you have free rushers. That's why you don't need guys that have to win one-on-one because he can generate pass rush with the blitz as long as his cornerbacks can cover.
2: Okay, well, when you when you blitz 6 or 7 guys, that 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 changes the whole defense and the offense is going to switch up on you.
0: Okay? Well, have you watched Wink Barndale?
2: Have, re- have four or five receivers on the field, okay? Yes, so, and you, that's you why you need you quarterbacks.
0: You just made my point for me. Thank you. Well, Doug, Doug, Doug what you have
3: to understand, what John's missing, is that it's about the respect of the guys that you send on the blitz. That's right. If the other team does not respect those pass rushers, then it's not really that's that bad. important. It's okay. That is right. a joke. It's okay. Well, Paul, it's unblocked, though. It's okay. It's what do you, what does it have to do with please. respect, though? <laughs> I don't understand. Well, Here's why. Lance, 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 here's why. Here's why. Let's go back a couple defensive coordinators ago. I
0: can tell you for a fact that when
3: and what and what happens, what happens is when you send guys on blitzes that have no chance to get home, they don't that's care. Right. They don't care that's if right. those guys are coming because it doesn't matter. That's right. Now you still have right. to hold guys now,
0: in to block them. No, 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 no. Yeah. no. I'm, so wait, I'm if, not, you I'm leave,
4: not disagreeing if you leave a with that, corner we unblocked, it. the quarterback's just going to say, all right, screw it, let him come after me. I'll
3: take guys, care of Guys, guys, I mean, if you on. really want to dig down deep into the yes. idiosyncrasies, I'll give you a couple hours and teach you. But for now, it's teach okay. Teach me? Yeah. Wait, it's oh, yeah. But yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, okay. Come on. it's okay. The most <laughs> no, no, here's, here's what you okay. got to understand. Here's what you guys got to understand. Here's what you got to understand. I'm not angry, you are. No, because you
0: just said you have to teach us No, Hold on, hold on. And you're condescending
3: I'm trying I'm trying to help him out here. Doug, hold on a second. Here's, yeah, here's, here's ahead, where Bob. we're splitting hairs. Here's where we're splitting hairs. Okay. If you go back a few years ago when the Giants had Betcher and he was using a heavy bleed scheme, and you were here, John, you remember it, you mm-hmm. saw it. Yeah. He had guys who could never get home. Never get home. Yeah. You and I both know that. He uh, outside of uh Marcus Golden, the Giants did not have a pass rush. He would blitz and we would sit there in the box and you know this because all you got to do is remember it we would sit there in the box and say what's he blitzing for because the guys never make it who are his cornerbacks? they never make it who are his cornerbacks? oh god I'm not even thinking right now well that's but, my but, point but that's not, how many but, times but, were there but, but, guys but here's that were what you're saying right. but they were no they, there, there were no, times no, he no, would there it's. were times that he would send but, six they would get nowhere near the quarterback because you know they were blitzed. they were no no they would be naked and they wouldn't even get close. You know this. Well, well we were right, in John, a specific that's place. That's Did the quarterback right. get rid of the that's ball in a second? Doug, Doug, John, you watched I the game. That's you that's saw the, the games. You that's saw what I'm talking about. So McCarners, you know what I'm talking about. Lamb,
2: Smith. These are NFL wide receivers. Right, okay? right. Some of the best. Some of the best in the NFL. So, do you think he can stay with them for a minute, a half, two minutes? No, but when if you,
4: you're not
0: getting uh, to the quarterback? Well, do you want me to look I'll up? how he is.
4: Uh, but, no, but, Doug, you're missing the point. When you don't have James Bradbury on the field, you're going to wish that you had another corner.
3: Look, you have to have functional corners. I don't disagree with that premise, right. John. You have to have functional corners. I
0: absolutely that, okay, agree. Okay. I think in, in his okay. – oh, my God, Doug, will you please let us have a conversation
6: here?
3: Go ahead. Okay, John, okay, go ahead. Doug, yeah, Doug, hold move on, move hold ahead. on. He's right. You have to have functional corners. If you don't have functional corners, you're screwed no matter what you do. I totally agree with that the angle that I'm going at you with here is when Betcher would send naked guys, they wouldn't even get home. They they would not get home. Unblocked, Lance. You were in the box. You saw it, too. Wait, and what, we would I, laugh I, I and say, he's blitzing six. Why bother blitzing six? Because even the two free guys aren't getting there. No, but, no, but the ball's not, coming out. How are there two free guys
0: if you're blocking six? There's five offensive linemen and a I said
3: sending six. If you're There were times when other teams were would have no nobody in the backfield, they'd go empty. We would the Giants. I shouldn't say we. The Giants would send six, and they wouldn't get anywhere near the quarterback. The ball would come out, and it wouldn't make any difference. So we would we would be leaving the game. We'd be walking down to the parking lot, and we would have conversation. You must remember
0: this, John. I, I, well, I remember the blitzes not getting home, but I, because at guys right? wouldn't win their one-on-one. Yeah, I don't remember jobs. guys on that, block. That was that wasn't, that wasn't that. free rushers. Not always the quarterback. It, well, but that's not a big always. generalization. Not ball. always. I mean, you
3: know, but the point is. There would be times where we would be in the parking lot, we'd be saying, Jesus, he can't blitz because they're not getting there. Even if they're not blocked, they're not getting there. And if you don't blitz, it doesn't matter anyway because you're not getting there because you're not sending anybody. And we would say they're between a rock and a hard place. They can't do anything because they can't get to the quarterback. We had those conversations. Right. I don't
0: remember the conversation about unblock guys. I remember the conversation about blitzes not getting home well, because they get picked up. Let's put it to you. But this not way. not
3: unblock guys. Let's put it to you this way. That was the part that was so pathetic, is that there were the Giants would send blitzes and there was just no no point in sending them because they were they were not getting anywhere. But the quarterback oh. would still
0: be forced to get rid of the ball quicker because they read the blitz. You read the blitz, and the quarterback still has to make a quicker read well, with the football because the blitz is
3: coming. And again, that's my point. See, you know what the problem is here? Here's the problem. Everything is intertwined. Everything is intertwined. Yeah, so right. you can't front seven, that back like seven. That. That's my point. Right, right. But 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 well. it Doug's point that you have to have legitimate teeth to your pass rush. Sure, is you have to have guys that are going to win up because, front. I don't be- think anyone's because, with because that. Because because if you don't. If you don't, a lot of this game is built on respect. You have to prove to the other coordinator that if I do this to you, it's going to short circuit you. If you don't gain that respect and prove to the coordinator that you can be dangerous doing this, then they don't care then it's easier for them okay. to game plan. Yeah, and then on the okay. flip
4: side, Paul, if you don't have a corner that the quarterback respects, who do you think he's going to target the entire game? Well, this
3: right, no. Right. right, Okay, they're so right. the bottom line they're is, right.
4: pick your poison then,
3: right? They're well, right. Right, but that's, right. Why, that's why the game is what it is. If there was just one they're way to do it, ball. then it would be ball. easy. Go ahead, Doug, go ahead, go ahead. Uh,
2: okay, okay, okay. Do you think that the, the way the Giants players, the players that they got in their camp, Williams and them, okay, say Bradbury goes, I feel comfortable with the guys that they got. there already can take that slot position. You don't have to go get guys. If you get that pass rusher. Those guys, Williams and, and, and some other guys, that I think they can play that slot, that corner position. Well, what about, what about your, the outside?
4: We're talking yeah. about the outside, though. Bradbury was an outside corner. What are you? What are you talking yeah, about I the say, slot uh, for?
3: Doug, no, Doug, I'm Doug, hold on. Him. Hold on, Doug. You may be overreaching here. Because I've I've John and I have talked about Aaron Robinson, who I actually think has potential out there, but I don't know that. I don't
4: know. Well, that's that. what I said. Okay, Why okay. is he talking about the slot? It's the outside. That's the concern. Yeah, yeah. Don't go there. No, oh, no, I'm getting well, Aaron
2: Robinson. Well, I'm not Robinson, disputing you, John, but it's a bigger <laughs>
4: priority in terms of the outside. He's talking about the slot. I'm talking about the outside. Come on.
2: I mean, Okay, well, there are, there are no guys that in the camp right now that can do, 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 do me take a run at the outside corner. Okay, so you feel good, though, going into
4: week one without an outside corner, opposite of Dory Jackson. No, that's I wonderful. Said, sounds I like said, a good plan. No, I think
2: you've know, yeah. you, you got you know, guys in the camp that have potential. You, Poten- does right potential now, win, games? That's that's potential that, win
3: that, games? That can get you bit, Doug. That's scary. I, I happen to like him a lot. I think Robinson could do it, but I don't know that. So so anyway, here's, but here's here's uh, guys. I, I, if I if I use some bad words there, I apologize. Uh, it's okay, no worries. But good. here's what We're I'm good. trying to say. We're just going having fun. It's okay. Oh yeah. But ultimately, ultimately, everything is intertwined, and that's why there is no one right answer to a lot of stuff. Right. Because if it was that simple, then every team would just say, "Look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to put these guys here and these guys here, and guess what? You're not going to move the ball." I just think based that's on not the way it works, what
0: we saw from the Ravens last year. When they did not have good cornerbacks... They got crushed. They got crushed. By big plays. Right. Because you know what I happens? I don't disagree with that. Because when you blitz, you don't have safety help. Right. That's why, to me, corner is
3: more important. And, 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 I, and, and I I understand. That that's a matter of vanilla or chocolate. It's a matter of preference. Depending upon the scheme you run, how much you value the importance of the other position. Really, that's what it comes down to. Right. And if you had... If you had let's say, a really dynamic, rangy safety, okay, maybe, maybe your functional corners wouldn't have to be as high a level if you had that ability, which, again, dilutes and changes your thought process. And by the way, they do have Leonard Williams, Dexter
0: Lawrence, and Aziz Ojalari. It's not like they have no one that can rush the passer.
3: No, and we've well, and, and we also talked about this, too. As much as Doug wants to say Aaron Robinson is going to be a starting outside corner, we could say, is Ellison Smith a starting edge? No. We don't know. And by the way, they definitely have—I'm not
0: saying they don't have a needed edge. I want to get an edge player, too. And the other part of this equation for me is that I feel a lot better about the edge players at the top of round two than I feel about the corners that— You might be wiped out a cornerback at the top of the second round. What happens? This is not impossible. What happens if there's a run on corners in the back end of the first round Mm -hmm. and the top two guys are gone, McDuffie's gone, Gordon's gone, Elam's gone, and Booth is gone? Is that impossible that six corners go? No. Before the Giants pick a 36? I agree with you on that. And And then you're cooked. There is no I have no one until the third with until a third round grade left on my board after those top six guys are gone.
3: You remember And that scares the bejeezes out of me. And I and I understand that. We we talked about this about two months ago but and I, I remember saying to you, what do you think Wink thinks of right. Aaron Robinson? And
0: and I and I think I don't know.
3: And I think there's more depth at edge at the top of round two.
0: I feel and, good and I about that. an edge player at the top of round two.
3: You know, and, and and you're you're right. I mean, I my best bet scenario for Radar for round two is Elam at 36, but he may not make it. No, he might. He may not, not make it. And now he's a big press man guy. Now he he'd be good. He, he
0: commits pass interference
3: penalties left and right down the field, but in terms
0: of the
4: body type and the way he plays, it he fits. fits here. it fits
0: with what we want. All right, see, do. we agree. Yeah, we agree with that.
4: <laughs> Lance, you got anything before we go to the final well, caller? I mean, the whole conversation goes back to the caller said he would be disturbed if they took a corner. At five or seven over a pass rusher. They're both needs. Yeah. So where I disagree is I think you have to prioritize both positions. It goes back to value. And if you're expecting James Bradbury not to be on this roster, everything's going to be honky dory and rainbows and lollipops. Then I just think you're living in a fairy tale world. So you have to protect yourself, and I'm sure the Giants are thinking that way because they know the answers about whether or not Bradbury's mm-hmm. going to be here beyond the draft.
0: Yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't, it wouldn't, wouldn't anger me or disturb me if they took a pass rusher. But no, it that, wouldn't either right. because
4: they're both needs. Right, but the, the idea yeah. that it would be stupid to pick a cornerback, that's what kind of got me.
0: Yeah, oh, exactly. No, no. Well, and, that's
4: what I had an
3: issue with, correct. and then
4: Paul went into his whole tangent
3: about, you know,
4: <laughs> on an island and well, here, blitzing here, 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 and, and here's winning. The, here's the thing. I,
3: it's not stupid to take either position in that spot if you believe the value Value was there again? It goes back to best player available, right? So, so Doug did go overboard, and then that kind of set off a whole slew of events here. That, 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 <laughs> that went, you guys you have off really
5: the, been testing my audio. Skills, I know so it went really, it went, calls, it, went it went off the rails.
3: It went off the rails because the truth of the matter is, every <laughs> position's important to every other position, they're all intertwined, of course. Of the course. spider web, yeah, yes. they're all intertwined. That the, the spider web I talk about all the there time, you go. exactly. All right, let's yes. go to Bob and Bertel
0: Beach. you will wrap us up. Hey, Bob.
6: Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Thank you very much for taking my call. I love listening to you guys every day. I just had a quick comment and then a question for you guys. Um, There's been a lot of talk about the possibility of the Giants drafting a wide receiver. I mean, some people want it early, some people want it middle rounds, And to me, it's just something I really can't wrap my head around while we're even talking about it. I know it's been brought up a lot on the show. Well, I can tell tell you you why, Bob, if you
0: want to know. I can tell you why.
6: I can well, tell the, you why. The thing is, uh, give me one second here. Is yeah. Like, I'm looking at our roster and like, where does it fit in? Like, look at we have Tony, Kenny G, mm. Shepard, Slayton, C.J. Well, what's the C. common G. element with all those yeah, guys?
0: Bob. But which one of those guys are going to be on the roster in 2023?
3: And, and yeah, by, I know by that. the way,
4: all of those guys have medical history. Well, I was durability. That was the common element I was going at.
6: Yeah. But the thing is, like, you got a team with so many holes on it. I'm just, I mean, I'm counting, you know, you got, like, eight guys. And usually the team only carries uh, five or six wide receivers. And Tony, Tony G, Shep, and Slate are the top four. I mean, I just I, I, just don't really understand. I mean, I know they're looking to trade some of these guys. But, I mean, if they're worried about medical history, why bring back Shepard, so to speak? No, you know, well, Bob, like, look, I, I, think,
0: I wouldn't use the top 40 pick. But remember, the Giants have nine picks. So that's a lot of picks. Yeah, so if you want to use like a, you know, a round three or, or four or five or something yeah. like that in a wideout, why not? I don't see yeah. why not. We all With agree they're going to take one, out, don't
3: don't we? We all agree at some point in this draft yeah. they're taking
6: well,
0: one. Well, probably. I'm a believer that in every draft I, you take I, a wide I, receiver now because it's such a deep position. So yeah. But
4: I don't know if it's a priority for a top three pick, though, I guess is what I would argue. No, yeah, I agree But I have no problem with it taking a wide receiver. Yeah.
3: Yeah. I mentioned yesterday Kevin Austin out of Notre Dame, fifth round for me. Did you get a look at him? I I have not watched him yet. Do it. I
0: also like Josh. Did you watch Josh Grant at SMU? I
3: think he's a pretty good downfield guy. I don't know if I did. But, I mean, the truth is you're going to get a 53-man make it Player at, at fifth round value in this in this draft for wide yes, receiver. They're good. Yeah, they're good. And that's the thing, Bob. You might
0: I, not I be able to find. I'm
6: just,
0: yeah, Bob, Bob, Bob. Bob just real quick. Just my point is that wide receiver, guys, yeah. wide receiver, so deep. You can find the make-it player and wide receiver in the fifth round. You might not be able to find a make-it
3: player at some of these other positions, which is, I think, the point we're trying to make. And, Bob, yeah. final thing, real quick. Just remember this. Wide receiver is the easiest position to find a make-it player as a free agent after the draft. That's been proven out over history yeah. in this league.
6: Oh, I know that. I'm no, I have no problem with getting a UFA wide receiver. I guess my point was it's just I see so many holes on this team, and I see all the guys we have. Piled up at wide receiver. You know, I, I just kind of wish we would focus on more areas, but, you know, we'll see how it plays out. And the last question for you guys what do you think about that Penn State edge rusher, uh, Arnold Ebeckady? I probably butchered his last name, but uh, for the Giants, possibly at 36? Uh,
0: it is Ebeckady, or Ebeckady, actually, technically. Yes. Bob, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. I'm a big Ebeckady guy. I would love him at 36, depending on what the Giants do in the first round. I know Paul, he's not a big enough guy for Paul. Paul you know, Paul, Paul needs his edge rushers to be
3: 265 or above. I'm stuck in the olden
0: days. Yes, I, I don't necessarily have those requirements. I really yeah. like katie Paul doesn't like him as much, but I think at 36, it's very good value. I don't think he'll make it to them. That's my gut.
4: Lance? I think what's going to influence whether or not he'll make it there, John, is the run potentially in the first round on oh, wide of receivers. Course. yeah. That's specifically what I think is going to make or break the first round because if there's teams that just love these wide receivers, and I think some teams should be more patient and wait, but if we do see that run, which some are projecting, then all of a sudden you're going to see some of those pass rushers in other positions fall, and maybe in the second round the Giants can grab one of those guys that we don't anticipate being there. But Drake Jackson is another guy that I would consider With that pick as well.
0: I think Boyamafe is the guy that I have in there. Sure, Boyamafe, too. Sure, yeah, he's another guy. Yep. Um, again, I think, Lance, I think you make a really good point, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow. What position is there a run on at the end of the first round? Is it receiver? Is it corner? Is it edge rusher? Because that's where you have a lot of depth there with players at pretty valuable positions that people are going to want to pick. Where is the run going to come? Is it a wide receiver? Corner. Is it an edge, or is it a corner? Corner. Could be wide receiver, too. Could be. Because the Chiefs and Packers both. Yeah,
4: I think wide. it may be a wide receiver. Could be. But corner like the go. Bengals
3: need a cornerback. So that's a team that could pick a corner at the end of the round. Well, again, look at the flip side, what we just said a minute ago. The, the depth, the defense, the depth they at wide receiver corner? is much better than it is a corner. Yes. Well, so, unless you love a guy, though, much right. higher up and in the draft, true. Paul. That's right. No if remember, to. no doubt yeah. those teams have no to doubt. wait
0: then 28, 29, 30 picks yes, for the they next guy. Yes, they do. That whole and, top tier could be wiped out by it. will be wiped out by Well,
4: and, and keep this in mind, too, guys. To your point, Paul, the Packers and the Chiefs, they're looking for guys to put on the field with Aaron Rodgers this year. They're not necessarily looking for a guy to maybe be the fourth or the fifth that one. That is true, too. groom them. So that does change yeah. also the perspective yeah. of a team. Like, for example, we're talking about the Giants. On paper, the Giants have starters. They don't need a wide receiver to come in year one and do his thing. Sure. So they may be looking for more of a development, the depth guy. Some of these other teams, they're not looking for development depth. They're looking for, like, the number two wide receiver to put on the field immediately.
3: Final a little th- bit different. Final thought here. We all three said we like Drake Jackson, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we all like him. Mm-hmm. Now, early third, if I can get him. But here's the difference, and this may explain This may explain what, uh, what, what, what what John and I were talking about in terms of edge rushers and the style and the physicality of what we like. John's more to the tweener guys, right? And I'm anti-tweener guy. For me, I want Drake Jackson, and it kind of builds off what Mike Renner said of PFF. I want him just rushing the passer. So I want to make sure I want to condition him. Power him up, bulk him up, get him playing at 270, 275, and I want to make him strictly a pass rushing defensive well, don't
0: end. Don't you want him to look a faster guy if you want him to be strictly a pass rusher?
3: Well, i I think I think he can be a power pass rusher. Okay. So so and I want him playing D end. I don't want him necessarily playing outside linebacker. Okay. Where you know and and that's there's a the great example of a guy who could go either way. According yep. to his physical traits and what he's done in school. And now you figure out when he gets to the pros, what do you want to do with him? What Because he, he's he's not going to do both, probably. He's going to either be uh, one of these two-dimensional edge, edge guys, stand up, down, and he's going to have to lighten up a little bit. Or you're going to ask him to beef up and get powerful. That's what I would do, but that's old school. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm right. Right. On, and assuming. that gives you a good example of how we yeah. differ, for sure.
4: sure. Well, but if you draft a guy like that, Paul, you better have a plan in place. No in doubt terms of how you want to utilize. No him. doubt. I don't think you draft him and say, "All right, we'll figure it out." Three no. Months later.
3: And if you don't, don't don't pick him. Sure.
4: Yeah. One hundred percent. Just like, him. just like, not to get off topic, but Isaiah Simmons to me is the same thing. When you drafted him, yes. you at least had to have some idea in terms of how you're going to utilize
0: him.
3: Yeah. And John, I think we all feel that way about a lot of these safeties.
0: Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. Right? You, have to, you have to know how to use them. you yeah. got
3: to know what you're going to do with them before you pick them. All
0: right, guys, we're at a special two hour show tomorrow, 12 to 2. Make sure you check it out on giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Check out the new draft season episode, which we'll be hitting in a cut in an hour or so um, on your favorite podcast platforms. For Paul and Lance, I'm Schmelk. We had our own Royal Rumble here today. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> and, and we'll see you next time on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Adios.